Welcome to Horror Makes Us Happy, the podcast where we ask the question, what is it about horror that makes us happy? Your hosts are Steve Becker and myself, Chris Whitman, and you can find out more about us at our website, horrormakesushappy.com. Before we get started, getting the trigger warning out of the way, this is a horror podcast. We're going to be talking about horror stuff, which could involve sensitive subjects, you know, like um, anything from murder, child abuse, rape, there will be foul language. And with that out of the way, away with the show. Coming up soon, we're going to be interviewing author Ross Jeffrey, known for such works as Tome, Juniper, and Tethered, as well as musician Sarah Niedorf and film curator, who's worked with multiple artists and uh, on the Final Girls Berlin Film Festival. But today, we have the company of writer, producer, and director Ariel Schumann, best known for Paranormal Activity 3 and 4, Viral, and Nerve. Hello. Welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. Good. You guys are in a morning place. Where are you? Uh, I'm in Ohio. Chris is in Florida. All right. So it's still technically morning. It's before yeah. noon. Yeah. Uh, good to be here. Thanks for thanks for having me, guys. Our yeah. pleasure. I like a neat a nichey podcast. Yes. Yes. That we are. Uh, before we get into the meat of the interview, is there anything you're currently working on you want to share? Well, we're in the beginning throes of a pretty epic strike. Uh, so, oh, yeah, that is happening. Point. That's right. Yeah, that's that's happening. Um, <laughs> so no, <laughs> so I'm, I'm unemployed, and I'm really looking forward to the paycheck I'm getting out of this podcast. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah. We'll uh, we'll catch you that check as soon as we wrap. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it has it has to happen, and yeah. we had me and my directing partner Henry had a lot of great stuff, really on track, ready to go. But at the moment, unemployed. Understood. But that's okay. There's time to work on other stuff. Exactly. Yeah, there you and, go. and always the hope that uh, when things pick back up, you can pick up the things that you had been working on previously too. Yeah. With, with, with better wages, better security and no AI or less. That's AI. the idea. Yeah. Or at least people in control of it. That's right. Regulation. Yes. Well, cool. Uh, we chatted briefly before about the theme of the interview. So you kind of know what's going on. Uh, let's, jump right into it. What are some of your earliest memories of scary things? Um, wow. Do you, you always start with that? Yes. Yep. Uh, <laughs> too deep? I, too fast? No, too fast. no, no. I think it's a really good place to start actually. Cause everybody knows that answer, right? Uh, it's different for everybody. No, but they Oops. know, they know the answer to what was the first image or the most searing like TV or movie. Sometimes it takes a minute to think about it. And, and part of the reason that we go through the, the interview in phases is because Memories will come up when you're talking about something else and you're like, oh, I forgot about this. I love that. I hope my goal for this interview is to uncover a lost memory. That, would be that nice. sometimes happens. All right, yes. good. Well, I I have never and I will never forget the first horror image I saw on a TV screen. And I didn't know what it was from until a couple of years ago. I just kind of knew the I could paint the picture, you know, mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll tell you what it is. And you tell me if you know what it's from. Okay. Um, it's probably the late, late eighties. I'm, I don't know, seven or eight years old or something. And I'm at a friend's house, kind of like a rich friend with a big carpeted, well, air conditioned house who had a sweet VHS. I don't think he, we probably rented it or somebody rented it. And there's a kid on a bicycle who's about our age. And he, he buckles up a helmet and he gets on his bike and it's at night. I don't know why he's riding at night. It's a bad idea. We weren't allowed to do that. There's a bunch of drunk teenagers in a car who are out hunting kids or they're hunting people and they keep score. Hmm. 
and they oh. purposely run this kid off the road and I, kill, kill him. Yes. And there was a score attached? Yeah, there, there's a score. Chris? I'm drawing a blank on this one. You know what, Steve? Really? Uh, Should we give him more hints when I just tell It's one of the trauma films, isn't it? It sure is. <laughs> you could even say it's the trauma film. The funny thing is, I haven't seen the movie, but I know about it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember there being something about like a score on the dashboard. Exactly. Yeah, there's pictures, there's icons on the dashboard of like different things you can hit with a car and you get different there's a point system yeah 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 um old lady people in wheelchairs people old people, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and and god did i remember that and then the girl says or somebody asks like well how much for a kid <laughs> and oh wait is this where the whole 10 points thing came from yes ah! and, yeah maybe ah. this maybe this started because everyone kind of makes that joke when they're driving around with their friends yeah. right uh, yeah 100 points but it's 20 it's 25 points i think for a kid ah. under 12. <laughs> they have like, and uh, they're assholes. They're racist. They're drunk. They're like white trash. They wreck this kid. I mean, I, I went back and, and rewatched the scene and it's even worse than I remember. They drive, <laughs> they drive, they drive past him. They wave and he's like, oh, that's, that's, hi. And then they go down the road to make sure the coast is clear. They turn back around so they can hit him head on. And they don't kill him and they're all cheering and they turn around and they see in the rear of the mirror. They're like, he's still moving. So they back up. <laughs> so they back up. And this is kind of the worst part. Actually, the worst part comes after that. They back up and run over his head, mm-hmm. like, like crush the skull. Um, and then the girls, they're, they're kind of hot drunk girls. They, they jump out of the car with Polaroid cameras and they're ecstatic. They're I mean, like you have to document the crime. Celebrating yeah, the crime. And they take pictures of his smushed head. And uh, I just always thought about his mom waiting for him to come home. Oh, no. And, and just how, you know, like a really peaceful bicycle ride at night could turn into the last one. Right. If, uh, you know, the wrong people are on the road. And I think, I, th- I still think about that every time I'm riding my bicycle on the shoulder. <laughs> of a road, yeah. Which I think is, which is good horror. You ruin something really specific for somebody, at least one person for the rest of the <laughs> No, I mean, you're onto something there. That's kind of one of the usual follow-up questions that we ask on these things is like, you know, did that uh, affect the way that you behave later on through life or did it, you know, uh, develop any kind of traumatic triggering effect? And it absolutely does that. It- yeah. Well, I, I decided I'm not going to wear a helmet because what's the point? They're just going to run over your whole head. Yeah, right. I wonder if he had been wearing a better helmet with the car have just like rolled over and he's like, ah. <laughs> yeah, well, what's funny cool. is when he told me when, when you said that uh, he was wearing a helmet, like that really threw me off for a minute because t- from my memory, at least wearing a helmet didn't really become a thing until like mid to late nineties, at least where I lived. So <laughs> that kind of threw me for a minute when you said like early or mid to late eighties. Like, yeah. Well, you know, that's a good point. It's an 84 and they really go out of their way to highlight the moment he puts the helmet on hmm. like there's a really cheesy shot where he's leaving his mom i i don't know where he's going it's crazy it's like 10 o'clock at night and she he puts the helmet on and she's like be safe <laughs> but but he doesn't tighten the strap the chin strap which really really bugs me still because mm-hmm. i know you guys know if the chin strap's not tight the helmet's gonna come off right yeah. And it just dangles there. And that's always really bugged me. 
it's funny what you said about, uh, you know, ruining a specific thing for a specific person because bike riding specifically when I, when I lived in Florida, I had, uh, car troubles for a while. And for a while there, I was riding a bike everywhere and there are people who do who like to fuck with bike riders. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. and I was actually driving to work late one night, many years later behind somebody that who swerved. And I only realized what was going on immediately after the fact, when I saw that he had almost hit a guy on a bike, like I couldn't see the guy on the bike because of this vehicle in front of me. And then he swerves and I came within inches of hitting the guy. I was furious because I'd been in that situation Mm. or you have somebody who drives past and they lean out the, the window and scream at you to try to, you know, scare you off your bike. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, yeah, yeah that, they must have been bitten by a bicyclist when they were kids or something. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know who? I'll, I'm just going to shout someone out who reminded me that that was Toxic Avenger. His name is Ray Angelic. He's a movie producer. I should try and get him on your show sometime. And a aficionado of B horror, and you can you can essentially describe any scene, but certainly any scene, but you can describe a moment or even a weapon and he, he'll tell you what film it's from. Hmm. And all I had to tell him was like, kid gets hit by a car. <laughs> well, right. on a bike. Yeah. Right. On a bike. Uh, okay. So the Trump film, um, you said that one was toxic Avenger. That is toxic. Avenger. Yeah. Okay. yeah. The first one, uh, that, that's what led to a kid's car Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah. I know. <laughs> right. <laughs> what other early memories do you have of horror? I feel it's a cheesy answer because probably so many people say this one, but the time-lapse aging bad guy in uh, Indiana, Indiana Jones, Jones. And Last Crusade. Yes. Yeah, I saw that one too at a young age. And yeah. like, my grandfather just always had this tradition of throwing on old uh, James Bond movies and Raiders of the Lost Ark. We were kids, and he's just like you know laughing at like, the face yeah. melting. Yeah. Face melting, yeah. I think they. I think my mother may have tried to shoo us out of the room at that scene, and uh, she didn't have to try hard. <laughs> <laughs> they they one, sort of improved that prosthetic from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Everyone's melting because the Ark is you know full of pure light or whatever. Hmm. But in Last Crusade, the guy drinks out of the wrong chalice. Yep. Oh yeah. Chosen poorly. Yeah, he's, mm-hmm. he chose he chose did poorly. There's there isn't in, there is a uh, couple James Bond moments that terrified me. They're not horror, oh, but I, I count thrillers in the same space because I think it like kind of like chemically does the same thing to you, right? Yeah. And it's this was the VHS collection my dad had, which was I th- almost every Bond movie. I think it's Goldfinger where he's about to get his nuts lasered mm-hmm. and he's tied down to the table, and Goldfinger is bringing the laser just closer and closer to his crotch. Right. Mm-hmm. That was, that's pretty good horror, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely tense, that's for sure. Yeah, I've never thought about lasers the same way since. Yeah. <laughs> or tables. It ruined tables for me. <laughs> Eat on the floor. Yeah. Dinner will never be the same. Yes. <laughs> um, what else? Um, uh, tremors. You guys remember Tremors? Oh, that yeah. Was, that that's was one of the Chris's. Oh yeah, that's like the first scary movie I saw in a theater. I guess it's scary. Is it? Do you guys consider that a horror movie? I, I definitely consider Tremors scary. It's weird. It's been popping up a lot in like my YouTube feed and things lately. I, I think there's like a, a TV series that's going to be coming out. But oh, yeah? I had no idea they made seven of those things. 
Mm-hmm. Well, they just kept coming. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, that, that, what did that ruin for me as a kid? That was like, uh, oh, the ground is, uh, there's like an earthquake or something shaking, or you see a tiny breathing hole in the ground, and you think, mm-hmm. oh, like, uh, cute, it's, it's, it's a crab or a worm. And it's, and it's like, no, you have no idea what's actually underneath the ground. Right. There's a tiny breathing hole that leads to a 30-foot worm. <laughs> hmm. I wonder if there's a beneath-the-earth version of thalassophobia? Hmm. I don't know. What's that? That sounds cool. It's uh, the fear of open ocean and large expanses of water and not knowing that there could be, like, any oh, eldritchian horror below you. What, so, what's that called? Uh, thalassophobia. That, how do you spell that? T h a l a s s o p h o b i a. I think. Can I hear it in a sentence? Yeah, that's pretty good. I, I mean, Jaws were. I think Jaws works for everyone because if you're smart and you're a human being who can't breathe underwater, you should be scared of the dark ocean. Yep. Any place that you can't put your foot to the bottom. Yeah, totally. I mean, I don't know. I could go. I could go on and on. Uh, That's a good start. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned this friend that um, you watched this movie with. Did, was he also a fan of horror? Or was oh, it just yeah. He's movie? a me- mega horror fan. <laughs> and, and a very successful non-horror movie producer. He was a producer on Project Power, this Jamie Foxx movie we made. Yeah. And which had some good horror elements. There's a great full burn, body burn sequence where Machine Gun Kelly has a superpower that he can ignite himself and sort of create fire and, mm-hmm. and his character has played with it too much. So when we meet him, he's covered in burns and scars and like fresh wounds, okay. which led to a lot of discussion of body horror in general, which turns out Ray is an aficionado. Hmm. And I think if, if you ask him what his favorite horror movie is, he'd probably say basket case. Yeah, we should have Ray on the show. Yeah, you should was, have Ray on the show. <laughs> I, was, I was just about to ask, are we talking about Ray or is this a different friend? No, we're talking about Ray. I'm always okay. talking about Ray. <laughs> <laughs> All always right. He's talking about Ray. Uh, anybody else in your friends or family who are fans of the horror? No, not really. I don't even know that I was such a horror fan until we sort of stumbled into making a paranormal activity movie. That's not uncommon. We've talked to yeah, it. There's a range, you know, there are some people who are into it straight off. There are some people who didn't get into it until later in life. And then there are people who were into it early, moved away from it in their teenage years and came back to it in adulthood. There's, you know, everybody has their own path. Yeah. It'll, um, get, it'll and, get you sometime though. Yeah. And not every question that we ask is going to land. You just never know. Cause it's, you know, got to ask cause you don't know. Um, did you participate in Halloween as a kid? <laughs> yeah. Does anyone not? What a bomb. Some humbug. people don't. Yeah. There are we've interviewed people from other countries where Halloween isn't a big thing. Oh, we've yeah, interviewed yeah. people who were members of either Jehovah's Witness or I can't remember what the other one is, Seventh Seventh Day Adventists, I think don't yeah. celebrate it either. But they were curious, right? The, some of them were, or some would like get to participate as a very young child, and then their parents would convert, and they'd stop, and then they'd come back to it in adulthood and things like that. Do you I remember was, having uh, a... Hmm? Uh, go ahead. What is the specific question? I was going to ask if you had a favorite costume when you remember. No, I, was, I, I grew up in New York City, where I guess the, like a more punk Halloween was not necessarily a dress up, but just to wreak havoc. Mm-hmm. Um, Devil's Night. Yeah. 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 But 
I, specifically, I'm thinking of a Halloween. This was one of my favorites where we probably middle school. We went around with, with, uh, you each get a carton of eggs <laughs> and you, you go egging essentially, yep. which is pretty fucked up. And I wouldn't, I would be <laughs> mad if my kid did it now. Cause yeah. I know how, how much it hurts if you get hit with an egg. <laughs> we weren't aiming for people. We were aiming for cars mostly also bad which is also bad but you you just don't know that right no no you don't it's funny you should say that like when you first said this the first thing that comes up is you know like 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 we were initially discussing you know how it's it's terrible but you don't know even if you do know i mean as a kid you don't really understand like as an adult you understand exactly how much of a pain in the ass it is to have to deal with ruined paint on your car. Like it's, it's a uh, thing. Yeah. yeah. There's the paint or a shattered, of it too. Or a shattered window. Well, that too. Yeah. Were you throwing like hard boiled eggs? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't think it could crack a window? If, I guess maybe not. not um, today's windows. Maybe if it was already today's, cracked. Oh, but these aren't today's eggs. Ah, that's what it is. Uh, everything's <laughs> gotten soft. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no. So we're, we're stalking, the streets of Manhattan. We've each got a carton of eggs, which were hard <laughs> to get at bodegas uh, around Halloween because they knew what kids wanted. <laughs> you guys have any eggs? No. Yeah, exactly. So you had to, <laughs> I don't know what we did. I feel like someone tried to t- tie like a scarf around their head, like, uh, like they were an old lady and go in and ask for some eggs. <laughs> and then you had to ask people to get them for you. You start by just taking the eggs from your own fridge. Right. Mm-hmm. And anyway, so we're throwing. And you can't around. go in a group because who needs six dozen eggs? Oh, you can't shop in a group, right? Right. Yeah. No, but New York City was or is still full of kids waiting outside bodegas while one kid goes into a bodega and tries to buy beer, right, or eggs, um, or kids waiting outside of a bodega or a liquor store and hassling grown-ups to buy them mm-hmm. something. Anyway, so we're throwing at buses was like a favorite target because they're such a wide expanse mm, right we're laughing we're kicking cans we're like high-fiving it's been a pretty successful night we're walking down a, a dark side street and somebody starts firing eggs at us <laughs> and, and we're like a little pack of wannabe warriors five maybe five of us did you still have any ammo left <laughs> you know yeah we must have had ammo left because where this ends up going is we all like hit the deck you know incoming hit the deck <laughs> uh hide behind like a a bunch of garbage cans or behind a tree and wait for another one to land. Cause we don't know where they're coming from, mm-hmm. you know, stay down, stay down. And we wait and we wait, nothing comes. Head so shot. one of us steps out <laughs> to draw another, to draw enemy fire. So we can figure out what direction it's coming from and boom, an egg splatters. Maybe it hits someone's foot or something yolk everywhere. And someone's like, I see him. And we look up to like the third or fourth floor of a nearby building. Oh, nice. And there's a tiny, reflection and there's a i'm assuming it's a kid and there's somebody up there with like a little handheld mirror who's looking over his shoulder down at us uh and firing eggs from his living room nice really smart and we go and i mean this means war there was an egg sniper an egg sniper (laughs) (laughs) and we can't quite hit him like that high up right so he's really got the jump on us but we try anyway and throw all of our, our remaining eggs and just make sure that we destroy his parents' windows. Yeah, right. <clears throat> which he's going to have trouble cleaning from the outside. Mm-hmm. Unless there's a fire escape. No, there wasn't. <laughs> Maybe they're <laughs> on the back of the building. But I, I, I even remember the building. I know exactly what it is. 
It's nice. like, uh, yeah, 73rd Street. Anyway, I was so impressed with that kid, and I think about him every time I look up at a building and see like a little glint of light. <laughs> at the high ground. <laughs> yeah. So that was a that was like typical Halloween in those days. Uh, somewhere around age 10 or so, I heard the rumor, the famous rumor of the razor blade and the apple. Yep. And that, that was around that time. That sort of ruined trick-or-treating for me. Mm-hmm. So, uh, if you weren't dressing up the no least favorite costume, well, um, I, I still keep, I, I do like dressing up. I have a drawer. I can see it right now that I, I always keep a, a small selection of masks in. Hmm, so when yeah. Halloween does come around, um, I can just quickly grab a mask. Right. I definitely don't want to show up without anything. I'm not a party pooper. Hmm. Well, we'll get to the adult stuff here in a, in a few minutes. Yeah. Uh, going back to the kids stuff, did you have any really scary dreams when you were a kid? Yeah, so I still have them. It's the, uh, it's the heavy legs. Hmm. Okay. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah. Like yeah. where you can't move your legs and they're heavy or yeah. it's like you're walking through, uh, molasses, molasses. And you need to move. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have very cinematic movie scene dreams that sometimes they make more sense than others, but Ooh, with Dutch angles and tense scores, <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's a good question. I don't know if there's music, but there's definitely tension. Mm-hmm. But there's always like there's an antagonist, there's a goal, there's a a place I need to get to that I can't. Mm-hmm. I never die though. Oh, that's well, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm here to tell you that story. You're right. Uh, do, do was there ever a time in your uh, childhood where you were actually scared of something in real life? That's that's fun to think about. Um, I'm trying to think of like venues for possible fright. I've never, I'm scared of someone pushing me into an oncoming train on the subway, but, Hmm. but not debilitatingly. So I've, my reaction to things I'm scared of is to prepare for them. So don't stand on the the edge of the platform. Um, And certainly don't stand on the edge of the platform without looking around. Hmm. I had a babysitter, like a cool guy who's a couple years older who warned me about, getting hit by cars. I mean, these are really New York city themed things. It was like crosswalks when it turns to walk count. He always said like count to five. Okay. Uh, and cause he was like, not because you don't the right away. He's like, because you don't know this yet kid. Cause you don't drive, but people are trying to beat the light and there's a whole psychology going on that has nothing to do with your safety. That's like, they're not drunk. They're not the drunk, the teenagers in, Toxic Avenger, they're not trying to kill you. They're just trying to get home a little faster and right. they're not perfect mm-hmm. drivers. So now I, I, I wait, I stand there like, uh, like an old guy and count to five. Yep. I have been hit yet. It's a good idea. Not gonna look. Flipping the question around. Was there ever a time in your childhood when you felt completely calm or safe or at bliss? Never. I'm Jewish. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we, we wouldn't be here if we ever felt. Safe. Well, uh, let's see. Do, do, do. I think that's everything for the childhood stuff. So teenagers, uh, what horror media do you remember from your teenagers? The first, I don't know. Am I a teenager when the first final destination comes out? Mm. God, it's another driving scare. It's the, it's the logs on the, the semi trailer in front of your car. Yeah, no, that that is, I mean, it's practically a meme now. It is a, it is several versions of that meme, actually. Yeah. Just a picture of a 
tractor trailer carrying, uh, you know, a large amount of uh, trees or logs on the road. And the caption says, there are two types of people in this world. Those who have seen Final Destination 2 <laughs> and those who stay behind this truck. Yes. Oh, is it Final Destination 2? <laughs> I think it was three, actually. Two was, I think it was two. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. I think oh, yeah, three one- was the roller coaster and two was the pileup. Right. Uh, um, you know what just occurred to me? Another really significant horror moment for me. And I think this was in the theater too. Um, Slither. Okay. Ah. You remember there's this terrifying old lady who caresses the side of your face with like the back of her fingers and says, Oh no, no, not Slither. Thinner. Oh, thinner. Yeah. 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 And she goes, thinner. And then you just start (laughs) losing weight uncontrollably until you uh, like become nothing. That, that really got me. That is really a, a good, good one. And what's was been, it her voice or it was, it was that I was so attracted to her. <laughs> I'm sensing a bit of sarcasm. <laughs> why, why? She was hot, man. She was hot. She yeah. had that one, like, uh, you know, fucked up eye. Yeah. She, <laughs> she looked like the guy who drank the wrong chalice. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. It's the things that scare you that also turn you on guys. You should know that by now. Yeah. Well, yeah that's Freudian. Yeah. All right. Uh, for thinner, was that childhood or teenage? No, I think thinner comes out in like, like 94. When was that old? Up. Sounds about right. 2000. No. Yeah. 90 sounds right. About right. Thinner. Um, thinner film, uh, 96. Yeah. That makes sense. So wow. I'm a teenager, we're like, we probably snuck into a rated R movie on 84th and Broadway where you would just yeah. buy a ticket to the other movie and then just walk into it. Right course the r movie as his tradition mm. as his tradition um that was the first theater i did that in, and that was so exciting <laughs> but i didn't know i didn't know who stephen king was i didn't know anything about it wonder what mm. what we did know about that i saw somewhere in my teenage years i saw rosemary's baby which i which i loved and still love um and de- i mean there was imagery that stuck with me that scared me but o- only in good exciting ways that made me want more um, like kind of, I would call it highbrow horror. Okay. Mm-hmm. Although it is a B, it's definitely a, a B movie, but a, a perfect one. So at this point in your teenage years, like wanting more, uh, seeking out more interesting horror films like that, was it just like because of the the shock of the violence of it, or had you like started to understand things like special effects and how the movie was made? And you're like, that's really cool how they did that one. Uh, no, I'm not a filmmaker at that point in my life. I'm a I'm an artistic kid. I like drawing and making comic books. Yeah, same. But my I, my my pop just had an awesome VHS collection, and ah. we live near Tower Video Tower Records Tower Video, and he just sort of made a habit of picking up a new tape or or a couple tapes every week. And they were divorced, so we were at his house two nights a week. And I think part of the draw was you could pick a movie, you could mm-hmm. pick any movie, and there were classics because I think he was intent on showing us good stuff. He's got a good taste in art, mm-hmm. but there were all sorts of movies. So you might look at like a double VHS and be like, Dr. Zivi Hihagao. What's that? <laughs> and he'd be like, okay, great. Let's do it. Dr. Shivaga. And I don't know if we'd last the whole two tapes, but there was also Rosemary's baby, but there was also like 18 James Bond movies. And we sort of systematically made our way through most of those over five, five, six, seven, eight years of spending two nights a week at his house. 
and th- that just wasn't at my mom's. Not that she doesn't love movies, but there wasn't a tape collection. Mm-hmm. So I think I, w- I loved seeing Goonies. I loved seeing The Big Chill. I loved seeing Stand By Me. Those are all these great tapes he had. And a couple of them were scary. But yeah. But he, it wasn't because he was he was like looking to show us suspense or thrillers or scary stuff. It was just because everyone knew, especially on the Upper West Side of Manhattan, Rosemary's Baby was a classic. Okay. Actually, Chris reminded me of a good question that I had forgotten to ask for the childhood section. Some of our guests have reported what basically comes out as like sort of a dividing line where prior to some event uh, you know, horror was scary to them. And then after that dividing line, it's now entertainment. Right. Was there any kind of a dividing line like that for you or was it always scary or always enjoyable? It's it's, I think it's always been funny to me. I don't, I don't have nightmares and I definitely don't, I'm not the kind of person who says like, I can't see that, which I love hearing actually. Cause it, I think it makes our jobs exist. Mm-hmm. If you didn't have the people who said, Oh, you made paranormal three. I'm so sorry. I can't watch that. Mm-hmm. I, I love that kind of person. Cause you want people who are too scared to see it. Cause it, I think it creates part of the excitement for the people who do want to see it. Mm. Not only that, but then it gives you a target. You go, like, if there's somebody who's so scared of that, then that's the movie I got to make. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think making our first horror movie with paranormal three was definitely the point at which I've never been scared of anything in the movie since it's just, which it's just kind of like process and tech technicality and cleverness. And Oh my God, what a great exploding head or what what a great gag. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which, which kind of sucks. I can't quite get lost in a movie. Although Mm. I I still get very affected. There's still some body horror that really gets me. Do you guys ever see, it's going to sound like slightly pretentious, but I swear it's not see the sea. Hmm. No, and I am a fan of body horror, and this is one I have not heard of. S-E-E, the S-E-A? C-S-E-E, the S-E-A, yeah, it's it's French movie, C-C, 1997, Uh, Francois Ozon, who I think you you would know from, what do you make, Swimming Pool? Uh, Swimming Pool, yeah. So he makes this movie, I'll I'll tell you what the long line line is. While waiting her husband to return... That's a bad transition. From a business trip, a young woman with a baby is getting close with a strange woman traveler. Okay. It's also a very vague description. And it should be because (laughs) it turns out to be really shocking. So this, this like kind of grunge, crunchy, grungy hitchhiker, uh, young girl, um, shows up on this woman's front lawn and she's like a young, beautiful mother with the child. Dad's out of town. They live by the sea. And she lets her camp out on her front lawn and pitch a tent. And then they kind of become friends, like woman to woman. And she starts using like the shower inside. I think boundaries are crossed. And there was something so harrowing. I can't, I'll just kind of describe it to you guys. I don't know how you deal with spoilers on this show. Go for it. Okay, go for it. Um, this girl turns out to be so nasty and she like, she uses the bathroom in this girl's home and, and takes like a huge dump and doesn't flush. Jesus. Which like, to me, that's like, she, that's as scary as it gets. <laughs> no special terrifying. effects. Terrifying. I was like, this is a pure villain. There's Hitler and there's this woman. She knowing like there wasn't even problem with the plumbing. 
She just didn't flinch. Didn't say anything. Having so, a Larry so David she, moment. <laughs> so she's a bad person. She somehow lures the mom out into her tent. Come hang out with me. Like sit in the grass. Let me hold the baby. And you're like, oh god, no, the little baby, the baby, the baby. Don't do it. Don't do it. And. I think there's some clever editing where you don't quite see what happens, but the father comes home. He's looking for his wife. He can't find her. He sees the tent in the front yard and there's like trash in the house. And I think he sees the big dump in the bathroom. And he's like, fuck. And he opens, slowly approaches the tent, opens the door. And there is his wife and she's had her vagina sewed up, sewn up by the crazy hitchhiker. Uh, yeah is the crazy hitchhiker played by marina devan because oh my god she plays a crazy bitch in every french movie she's in i recognize her (laughs) she's in my skin uh wasn't she also in inside was she the the psycho lady who wanted to you know get the baby uh i don't know i never saw that oh yeah that's marina devan yeah in my skin anyway and you see like a great sort of like quick cut to this like sewn up vagina and it's you know what stitches stitches in horror movies prosthetic stitches really get me in a good Mm. skin tingling way and i know that's fake but i think the the tone and the pace of that movie up until that point is so much more grounded and Mm. chilling that what does it ruin for you it kind of ruins the the idea of being generous and uh like Mm -hmm. welcoming in a a weary traveler. Yeah, it absolutely does. So in your teenage years, did you, were you participating in Halloween in the sense of dressing up or was it still the mischief night? No mischief night stops around ninth grade or something. I don't know what happened on Halloween nights in, in high school. If it wasn't on a Saturday night, it was a school night. So true. I wasn't such a bad boy. Yeah. It didn't get really exciting again until college when there's just no rules. Of course. Hmm. Did you have any additional horror friends in your life uh, in your teens then, or was it still just Ray? No, I didn't know Ray until five, six years ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. So who's the one that you had that you were a friend in childhood? Oh, who I watched Toxic Avenger with? Yes. I have no idea. I think his name was Ryan. Um, whoever he is, I haven't seen him since like 1988. Okay. So- God, I would love. Maybe he's listening. Ryan? <laughs> Do you remember out there. watching Toxic Avenger in your parents' den? It was like a sunken living room with cream-colored plush carpeting. Oh mm. my god, I wish I was there right now. <laughs> a stocked fridge, you know, tons of drinks, tons of sounds awesome. Multiple cereal options. <laughs> the sign of true wealth. <laughs> yeah, totally, and with great air conditioning. Yes. Uh, well, I actually, think, in the eighties, that was mm-hmm. that was big, right? Oh yeah. Uh, I like, I do. I guess I like the pulpy stuff. I like Brian De Palma. I like Polanski. Okay. I think the first time I saw what I thought was like, Oh, this is a really cool horror movie. I think I want to make movies like this was 28 days later. Okay. Mm. I don't care what George Romero says. I like fast zombies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fast zombies are scary. It's scary. Right. But anyway, I didn't really, I don't know. I wasn't paying attention to it as a genre, to be honest. Um, until we get the, we, we get the job for paranormal activity three, which was its own sort of random sequence of events. And we're like, Oh shit, we should, we should catch up. <laughs> and then it was a ton of like house horror. I mean, I'd seen poltergeist as a kid, okay, which is awesome. 
nearly yeah. nearly perfect film. And then it was time to sort of research that the world the world of well, haunted house. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go back to teenage years a little bit. There's a few more questions we can oh, yeah, yeah. run over there. I'm trying um, to grow up too quickly. Sorry. <laughs> All good. Still the same recurring dreams, or did you have other nightmares or anything like that in teenage years? Then, well, sex dreams at, at that point, and and why wasn't were they, I having were it? They, were they negative ones? Or <laughs> any, I would have taken any sex dream, good or bad. <laughs> Didn't matter. It was, like, like like cold pizza. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no such thing as bad pizza. Uh, anything in real life terrify you as a teen? No, things were pretty. Things were pretty cool. Things were pretty safe. I mean, just. Uh, yeah, like get, get getting a boner in public, <laughs> that, that kind of thing. It was all self conscious, like body image issues. That was okay. that was like the crux of my teenage insecurity. Fair. I had really, really like what I what felt like bigger braces than everyone else. Mm-hmm. They must have been the same braces, but I had them for six years. And my mouth, I was constantly getting hit in the face. I don't know why, but it must have been basketball. And my mouth, my lips were always swollen and bleeding and i started to get like a lot of like mouth nightmares okay like hmm. crumbling teeth you know about that one yeah 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 and uh, which i heard is actually a is a like a precursor to balding to losing your a fear of losing your hair huh yeah well i guess they're probably both rooted in the same uh root roots for yeah, lack of a better term their head they're both rooted in your head ah they both have roots ah, it's all connected yeah so there's a lot, of, yeah, a lot of that mouth horror. Uh, and then I had, I had like a major cranium injury in high school that was the closest I had, I had come to dying, okay. and I was like unconscious for a good five minutes, c- center court at a high school basketball game. Um, I ran into another guy's head, and it just oh. kind of split open my face, my eye, and fr- fractured the front of my skull, and I hit. I hit the ground so hard on the back of my head that I had a, a bruise on my forehead, black and blue, from where my brain, the concussion was so extreme, my brain shook and injured the inside of my skull on my mm-hmm. forehead. And I was just, I don't remember this part, but I was out cold for minutes, like in a growing pool of blood. The, the, I know that because I woke up and there was a lot of blood. Mm. Uh, and my dad was standing over me just trying to like, get me to, to come to right. mm-hmm. ambulance, emergency room, throwing up major concussion. Uh, I swollen shut for like a couple months. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was pretty extreme. Um, I've actually don't feel like I've ever quite been the same and I lost my sense of smell because of it. Permanently. Permanently. I have maybe hmm. three, 4%. I can smell like really serious dog shit hmm. and gasoline. But I love gasoline because I can smell it. <laughs> so one of my fears, and I'm not just telling you my sad stories, my, this leads to a, a real fear, a very real world fear, which is that the, the, my apartment is filling up with gas and I can't tell because I can't smell that kind of gas. Right. Only oh. petrol, not fumes. Yeah, that is an early warning detection system that uh, a lot of people probably take for granted. Yeah. That's a smell. That's right. So anyway, thanks for, thanks for listening. um yeah that's there's a lot of shit there i haven't figured out how to put that in a movie it's not smell is not cinematic i guess in in definition smell of vision 
Right, which was that was a huge hit, as we all know. Mm-hmm. But if you could figure out how to make smell cinematic, I think that'd be uh, it's a great challenge for a filmmaker. Well, I might know a one that covers smell in all the senses, really. It's uh, Ewan McGregor and Ava Green and uh, Perfect Sense. Oh, I haven't seen it. Dude, so good. It's about a weird pandemic where uh, <clears throat> the entire world, one by one, loses their senses. I think first they uh, lose taste. And it's always precursed by a a dramatic event, a traumatic event, really, like taste. Everyone gets very hungry all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. People in restaurants and people in butcher shops are just eating raw meat. This one woman's in a parking lot, and the only thing she has is her lipstick, and she just starts devouring it. And, like, everyone gets hungry for a minute, one minute. And then afterwards, no taste. And then the next day, they lose their hearing. I think the first day is hearing, I think, and then taste and then uh, smell. And finally, sight in the world is left with no senses. Wow, I gotta see this. Um, it's really good. You, you wouldn't call this a horror movie? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's horrific in certain parts because everyone's losing every... every se- no, in, in a way, it's kind of a love story between those two characters. Uh, it's by, it's directed by the Scottish guy. who's was kind of one of my favorite filmmakers. I didn't even realize. He, he also oh. made Start Up and Hell or High Water. Oh, I'll have to check this out. Yeah, I gotta check this out. David McKenzie. Flipping that around again, did was there ever a time in your teens when you felt completely calm or safe, safer at Bliss? That's a really nice, nice thought. I don't know, like weekend breakfast at with, at home, pancakes made by my mom. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> so a good something one. Something lovely like that. That works. Yeah, it's nice. I had a nice upbringing. Yeah, I was lucky. Going to adulthood, I'm guessing from the way you phrased it, I think you had seen see the sea as an adult yeah same thing with 28 days later uh yeah that's yeah see the sea came that was part of the paranormal research okay oh cool so th- this is so your your show here has sort of a psychoanalytic bend to it huh mm-hmm. a little bit yeah that's nice so i can walk away with a greater understanding of who i am and why i be maybe mm-hmm. That has happened in the past. <laughs> yeah, really? Uh, I, I mean, I it's not even, guaranteed. You never know what what's going to happen. But I mean, maybe I'm, I'll even walk away with like an understanding of the next my next scare or the next movie I'm working. That on. could be too. Yeah, maybe. I actually, yeah, Steve, we're helping people. Yes, I do love I do love injuries in movies. Um, yeah. Not necessarily kills, but like the smaller the smaller and the more specific the injury the better, I don't know, better is the right word, but like, for instance, the first one that comes to mind, well, I love all fingernail torture scenes <laughs> because you, you know how much that hurts. Yes. Oh, yeah. And I'm impressed. I think it's clever also by the filmmakers because you can create that kind of response in the audience. I think that's why we all love horror movies because there's this visceral feedback. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, your stomach is clenching, you're making an out, you're making a noise um, and you're grabbing the person next to you, which is just fun. Yeah. It's interactive yeah. cinema. And you get that when someone's like got a pair of pliers and they're pulling your fingernails out one by one. Yeah. You get that more than if you just shot them in the stomach with, with a, with a shotgun, you know? Right. Yeah. In fact, like, I don't know that anyone really has a reaction to getting shot in a movie unless it's really built up to like one kill shot. And that there's like this one gun, this one bullet is significant, but if there's a ton of them, forget it. Right. Well, I think it also has to do with how it's, displayed like for example uh what's that one where the guy basically you know shoots himself in the head 
and you know the splatter you know like that's that's different than how often like you mentioned being shot in the stomach with a shotgun like the the portrayal can be very different mm-hmm. well, headshots are different than body shots for sure well that not even it's not even just about that but i mean you could do a body shot that's more visceral i'm just i suppose you could yeah 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 i mean a body shot could really work if it's just if it's one of if there's only a few in the movie right mm. Oh, I'm thinking of two things that come to mind when I think of like really unforgettable body horror for me. One is uh, Natalie Portman's legs bending backwards in Black Swan when she's mm-hmm. becoming a swan. I thought that was awesome. Uh, and there's a really great sound effect that goes with it, a great <laughs> bone crack. And the unfortunate gentleman having his head bashed in by a fire extinguisher and irreversible. Mm. Um, that brought that brought that was the only time i've been brought to near vomit by a movie head crushing scenes are pretty visceral yeah but there's a really this good is like an this. unflinching uh, uh, if you can if you can picture it right now it's okay fine he's beating this guy in the head with a fire extinguisher but it's an unbroken shot and it's it is unbelievable sound effect that goes with it and you're mm-hmm. also talking as somebody who's had some severe head trauma. So true. Oh, yeah. There's oh, that there. Yeah. Well, here we go. Yeah. Oh, thanks doctor. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I love it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's what gets me. Yeah. Maybe you're right. Yes. As usual, Steve is the, uh, psychology aficionado. I am, I am the, uh, horror, horror fan. So when you say, uh, really good head smashing scenes, the first thing that comes to mind for me is starry eyes. Never seen it. Oh, all right, I've got some recommendations for you. Go see that one too. There is a particular scene involving some hand weights. Oh god! Oh, oh god! <laughs> you know what? I haven't seen. This has got to exist in a movie, but uh, like a a gym. This is a gym. It's a gym kill. Mm-hmm. Okay. A weight room kill. Is that what you're talking oh, about? In oh, Star Wars? Uh, no, it's more in a bedroom. Oh, like name. you know, personal hand weights. The uh, like a bench press rib crush. Ooh, that'd be good. There's a good bench press uh, semi-decapitation where Craig Robinson gets the top of his head sheared off in uh, Tragedy Girls. Yeah, that doesn't sound realistic. Nah. You know, it's funny. It's not even necessarily a horror film because this happens in real life. But have are you aware that when certain athletes go to do these like bench presses, they can tear the pectoral muscles? Yeah, yeah, that's that's a really good body. Ooh. That's a great one, actually. I actually There's that noise somebody... you were talking about. I'm just ah. <laughs> I hadn't really thought about pectoral muscles, just but I knew there was a kid in my high school who was doing the leg press, mm-hmm. and he went all the way, all the weights. And I don't, I wasn't in the room. I wish I was, but <laughs> you could hear the screams like echoing through the halls of the school. Days later, he tore his thigh. What do you call it? His hamstring. Oh yeah, and it just ripped. Oh God! I went uh, to college with a guy who had ow. torn both of his pectoral muscles at different times, Ugh. and what's what's dark humor. But like, if he had a shirt off, his pectoral muscles actually looked like commas because of how the um, the scars because they had to go in and reattach the tendons, mm-hmm. and where the scars are pointing upwards from the show from under the armpit up into the chest it, and the way that the, the muscles regrow, it basically looked like he had two upside down commas on his chest. Oh, oh you're, I'm getting, you're giving me tingles. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did he like lose muscle mass? Did he look? No, as a matter of fact, he mm. continued working out. He was actually a pretty buff dude. He's very lucky. 
Very lucky. I'll tell you. I'll tell you another one that uh, that really stuck with me. There was a kid in my school who could dunk, uh, and he was once was he on the basketball team? I don't know if it was a practice or whatever, a pickup game in the gym, same gym that I got knocked out in. He dunked the ball and was wearing a ring, and the ring got caught Stuck on the on little the hook, hook on the rim that holds the net. And he comes down, his body weight comes down. And with the force against the ring, which is stuck to the rim, it mm. pulls, it unsheaths the skin of his finger. Oh, he got degloved. He got degloved. On one finger, at least. Oh, God. Damn. For adult years now, you mentioned um, dressing up for Halloween, or at least having a drawer full of masks. Favorite? Got a really great horse mask. With okay. Actually, it's a wolf. I have a horse mask too. Um, I have a great mm-hmm. wolf mask. That's like kind of the wolf with, with like his tongue hanging out. You know, that great guy mm-hmm. with the eyes yeah. popping out. Ooh, go that, that wolf. Okay. He's yeah. great. Big snout. I've got a great horse mask with a big snout and like big grinning teeth. And a good. Nice. So it's not like one of those, uh, you know, rubber horse masks that became like a craze about five years ago or so. It's just like a decent giant grinning horse mask. Yeah. I mean, it's rubber. Hmm. But it's a good it's a good mask, and I don't see other people with it. And then the the scariest mask I have that uh, my girlfriend won't even let me like put on in her presence is just it's got it's like stocking material, and it's just a like a granny mask. Hmm. It's just an old lady's face that pulls skin tight over your own face. Ah, uh, okay. It's really scary. That does sound horrific. Yeah, yeah that's um no. But I think about that stuff a lot because the device of masks in movies, not just horror movies, but like bank heists and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It comes up a lot. I think in just making movies with uh, good guys and bad guys, we find that we often have to disguise them or come up with some cool and hopefully iconic mask. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, it's exactly it. It's iconic. Yeah. You, you give them a, uh, an, an archetype. Right. I mean, Kate, and sometimes the simplest decision can lead to just decades and decades of influence. Like yeah. Jason, yeah. I mean, what was, I'd love to, I don't know what the decision process was to lead to that hockey mask, but man, that was good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Actually, it's funny when you mentioned the stocking granny mask, the first thing I thought of was, have you ever seen the video for Jane's addictions, been caught stealing? No, but I like that. Mm. Song. Check out the video. There's a scene where they put, I think it was just regular stocking over their head, but it, it just yeah. makes them look funky. Uh, least favorite costume as an adult. Um, if you don't have one that's I do and I it's I can think of the picture of it right now and it's embarrassing (laughs) and I feel like it could get me canceled so I'm not even gonna say (laughs) okay that's fair enough anything that you've actually been terrified as an adult in real life I'll tell you my favorite costume I've ever seen on a friend Uh, it was just out of the shower that was his costume he had like a hula hoop around his was it around his waist now there was like some sort of brace that held up a pole behind his back and there was mm-hmm. a hula hoop around that pole so there was shower curtains around him right <laughs> and the shower curtain went down like below his waist and he was you'd see his bare legs yeah and then he would sort of part the curtains to say hello mm-hmm. or to ha- have a drink or whatever and he was wet <laughs> and then close the hoop to you know, yeah. yeah and then he'd be like oh my god i didn't see there close the hoop <laughs> that's funny no, that sounds like a fun yeah, shout out to just- mike taubman who I haven't seen in 20 years. Still remember your costume. <laughs> he lived on that street where the egg Eggs. sniper 
occurred. Maybe he <laughs> Maybe was he the egg oh sniper. Oh my god, was he the egg sniper? <laughs> Mike Tobin. Mike Mike, if you're listening, we know you're the egg sniper. Yeah. Come come forth. Come clean. <laughs> Mike Tobin, I'm writing this down. This is like important for my diary. Egg sniper question <laughs> mark. <laughs> Fred, just out of the shower. <laughs> it's one of those things that somebody finds, you know, 20 years from now. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Was what? he? I have done exactly that. I've found just notes and scraps that I, I wrote down years ago. I was finding like, what the fuck was I on about? Yes. Yeah. Have you ever been terrified of something in real life as an adult? We have mortgage rates. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, adults' fears are so stupid. I don't have kids yet, so... There's probably a lot I'm not scared of mm. yet that I will be. No, it's like, like bad drivers is really, I spend a lot of time in the, on bicycles, scooters, walking. So I'm really conscious of, I know how quickly someone can flip out and, and die. Yeah. Adults, adult fears. Yeah, sorry, sorry. No. no. Like I said, not every question is going to land. Uh, was there ever a time in your adult life where you felt completely calm or safe or plus? Yeah, I had a really good, like, overall feeling the other day. What was it? It was just like, it was a nice day. I had, like, a great cup of coffee. had a great morning, you know, constitution. And just, like, mm-hmm. the, the world was, everything was possible. Mm-hmm. I love those days. Yeah, for just, for, you know, it lasts for, like, an hour. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, you can't really even say those days. I, I like those moments. Yeah. Just a moment where everything felt in its place. The day was so young, like I hadn't, I hadn't wasted it yet. (laughs) No regrets. I actually feel that way almost every morning. Just one way I know I'm not really depressed is that I look, I look forward to the mornings because there's still so much potential every day. Mm. And I'm, I'm excited about that first like pot of tea and almond milk and like the potential of what I might get done today. Right. Mm-hmm. That's a good way of looking at it. So, uh, yeah, I have a pretty good feeling. If I, unless I've slept like three hours and then I just am cranky. Of course. I think that's normal. So the next couple of questions we're going to ask are going to be more over your entire life, not just any one particular time frame. And these next, the first two questions I'm going to give you, I'm going to give at the same time because it could be the same answer for both or it could be two different answers. Mm-hmm. But, and this is not just related to horror, but across all genres. What's your favorite movie and what movie have you watched more times than any other? Yeah. It wouldn't be a horror movie, although I've probably seen, and you know what? I don't rewatch movies a ton. Some people are like, I've seen it a hundred times. Mm-hmm. I think if I've loved a movie like a Rosemary's baby, maybe 10 times, mm-hmm. eight to 10. Uh, there was, there was certainly my like, you know, necessary Woody Allen phase. I probably saw Annie Hall and Manhattan 10, 15 times. And you know what? Maybe I've seen Jurassic Park like as many times as any other movie. Maybe I've seen Stand By Me okay. as many times as any other movie. There was a skate video called Ban This that was the only VHS mm-hmm. tape I've ever worn out. Mm-hmm. Okay. That, has, it had, that had some like narrative moments to it. Actually, there's a, I actually learned a lot like comedy and film from that particular skate video. Okay. Well, that's an angle that we haven't touched on. Let's, uh, let's dig into that. What else, what else did you like about ban this other than the comedy part? <laughs> there was great skating. Okay. Great, great style. This is like an eighties Powell Peralta 
late 80s Kyle Peralta video. Okay. Guys were skating in sweatpants, which I thought was really cool. It was fitting, yeah. And there was this one segment of a co- like c- a comedic skater. I think it's Lance Mountain, who became okay. pretty famous. And he had a character that was sort of like a Mr. Bean on a skateboard, <laughs> which really got me as a kid. But it's it's still good. I mean, I've you can find it now on YouTube, and shit was funny. Like he's not doing tricks; he's doing comedy skate tricks, okay. which was which I I was able to better recreate than just the straight up tricks. So of course. I was really drawn to him as a performer. Like a Jackie Chan skateboarder. Yeah, well, that if he was a Jackie Chan skateboarder, he'd be like a stuntman skateboarder, which would be cool. Yeah, this, yeah. These are like on the ground, not dangerous, not difficult, but like well-timed, funny tricks that re- right. require a lot of skill. Like sometimes you need skill to be a prat to do a pratfall. You know, right. you've got to be a great athlete. Favorite film? I, I don't. I don't think I have an answer. There's never been a favorite film. I think I go through phases where it's pretty much like the last movie I saw. I think it's the greatest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, I, I I I really like most movies. Um, I just like the experience of watching. Even if I never watch it again, it's it's like what I'm thinking about for a week, two weeks, three weeks. So, what is your current favorite? Uh, well, it's the last thing I saw, which is Sniper. Uh, excuse me, Butterfly Vision, about a a Ukrainian drone operator, surveillance drone operator. Just came out last year, Butterfly Vision. She's captured before the movie starts. She's captured by Russian forces and held captive. She's a prisoner of war and severely tortured. The movie starts as she gets out. It's like her reunion with her family, her friends and her husband. Mm -hmm. It's very mysterious and has a really great slow burn. I would call it, "Eh, is it a horror movie? No, but it's tense. Um, it's kind of a psychological thriller. What okay. did they do to her is sort of the central question. And she's not talking much. And she gives a great uh, stoic performance of someone who's been traumatized and isn't looking to like gush about it. Uh, mm-hmm. She'd be terrible on a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Her husband, who's a young Ukrainian soldier, is really happy to have her back. How is she? How do you feel? Why won't you kiss me anymore? You won't let me touch you. She's... Uh triggered by all that we understand she must have been just tortured um she goes in for a physical exam this is her in the first act we know there are external scars on her they must have like burned her and hurt her that way turns out she's pregnant oh jesus uh, and it's with one of her captors Oof. children so it's you know it's it's like in the genre of rosemary's baby which is like i mean it, it, it's rape horror essentially yeah and it's the psychological horror of, well, okay, what do you do with that baby? How do you deal with, you have, it's essentially a, de- a demonic baby inside of her because these people, I mean, they're human beings, they're not demons, but they're demons yeah. to her. And how does it wreak havoc on her psyche and her husband's? Yeah. Anyway, it's fucked up and it's interesting and it's definitely like a art, more artsy festival kind of movie, but it really, really got me. And it was a, a look into Ukrainian Russian struggle from a very specific point of view that I didn't know anything about beforehand. Mm. Yeah. That's a obviously difficult topics there. Um, yeah, is that a downer? No. I, well, I mean it is, but in, in the overall theme of our podcast, we do not shy away from difficult topics. So, you know, it's life. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't have a horror genre if you weren't willing to deal with a difficult topic and either treat it really 
seriously or with comedy or with just total gruesomeness. Well, like I said a minute ago, it's, it's, it's life. The horror, a lot of horror is real life shit that. Well, if it wasn't, it wouldn't scare you. Right. Uh, and I, if I was, if I was a filmmaker, which I am, I would recommend this movie <laughs> to a horror filmmaker because there's a self, a, well, self, self suicide, a suicide by gunshot off screen. There's a, like a really harrowing physical inspection or an abor- an attempted abortion off screen. And both of them are very, very effective and really scary. And you, you don't realize you haven't even seen it. You're so affected by it. Mm. And I'm not talking just emotionally and about making a serious drama. I'm talking about like the technique of scares, the technique, horror technique. And mm. I think we all know, and every filmmaker says it and then, it's bullshit most of the time. It's like, well, our monster is gonna. It's it's what you don't see that scares you, right? Uh, mm. And that's why don't show. Yeah, don't and that's even scarier. Hitchcock, and then you cut to their movie, and it's just like the fucking worst CGI mm. monster you've ever seen, <laughs> and it's like in close up for ten hundred minutes. But but it's true. It's the stuff that's off camera in the shadows that is scarier and that leaves a greater impression because, and this is for you, Doctor Freud. It it leaves it leaves the monster up to your imagination. Right. Uh, right. You know what you are more scared of because you can answer all of your, all your funny questions for yourself. What scares you? What are your dream? What are your persistent nightmares? Right. All that stuff. Everyone has a different answer. If I made a movie about my persistent dreams and nightmares, it, it could be good and honest if I really was able to like tap into it. But if I was, if I instead projected scenarios where you could worry about your own, it might be even scarier for you. Do you see any kind of common threads about what kind of horror you like? Cannibalism, occult, metaphysical, I think body horror. Yeah, that's great. You know, I like funny horror. I think okay. for some, yeah, I like funny horror. What does that mean? I, I like, I like, like e- evil dead too. You know, the stuff that's campy mm-hmm. and, and sort of self-aware. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also, I mean, shit, man, I just like a good movie. Yeah. I like uh green room. Mm-hmm. It's got, Nazis in it and yeah. torture and it's it's got Patrick Stewart as a Nazi yeah. which is a bit of a subvertive expectations you know that movie's incredible I think that movie's a masterpiece dude everything Jerry Solnier, Jeremy Solnier is a masterpiece yeah he's good he's good and the cast is great that's a great movie have you seen um what is it uh, Hold the Dark no I haven't seen that actually I gotta see that it's a newer one by him yeah, yeah I gotta see that a little bit less fun each movie and Hold the Dark is like is good is good yeah I owe that a watch sorry Jeremy um, I like, uh, I like eyes without a face, that old French movie. Oh yeah. It's, yeah. It's a classic. It's a classic. It's scary, but it's also just beautiful filmmaking, you know, great cinematography. I love wicker man. I guess I like, I like full car. Okay. Yeah. And the wicker man is sort of the godfather of that. Right. Right. I really like St. Maud. Yes. Yeah. That movie is so underrated and, you're the first person who's ever said yes and not what? <laughs> no, it was great with the thumbtacks and the shoes and the scene in the end where she thinks she's a quote unquote saint Whoa. and then you flash to reality really quick. Yeah, the movie's awesome. I know, it's it great. Like, oh, and it's like an hour and six minutes, which I think is also awesome. Um, huh. The nose, that, well, yeah, I guess it's it very short, short, however short it is. Yeah, that has a really great moment of body horror. I, I think this is body mm-hmm. horror, but it's really just injury. She puts a bunch of thumb, broken glass, thumbtacks in her shoes, yep. and she slips her feet in. Yeah. And 
stands up. It's like a uh, it. flagellation, I guess you could say. Yeah. She's, this is like self-sacrifice in the name of the Lord. And, mm-hmm. and she stands up and there's a nice crunchy sound and a wince on her mm-hmm. face, but barely a wince. And yeah. to me, that's like great cinema. It's great filmmaking because I felt what the character feels. Uh, and so when we're making movies, it's a, we, Henry and I kind of joke that I always in an action scene in a fight scene, I'm always looking for the tiny injury that would mm. might do that to the audience. And everyone's like, Oh, you're so dark. You're so fucked up. And I'm like, eh? I'm like, what? He shouldn't, let's not like just kill him. Let's just break a finger. I'm telling you, like it's more effective. Yeah. I'm curious about this, you know, full core and funny horror. Cause we haven't really talked too much about either of those. What do you like about those? Well, is it that I like something about Falkor or do I just love the Wicker Man? Um, you tell me. <laughs> you tell me. Uh, that is the question. I think in folk horror, there's usually like a, sort of a techno- technologically averse village, right? <laughs> like somewhere in the, in the beautiful woods, the countryside of, and I include like Midsommar, if anyone hasn't gone way back into folk horror, Midsommar is like sort of an homage to the great, the greatest of all that. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's a tradition. A tradition. So tra- I think traditions are really scary because it's people sort of like unthinkingly um, mm-hmm. perform actions that have. Yeah. Gone like on. the mob mentality, just, uh, yeah. Un- unthinking because it's, it's because this is the way. Yeah. Oh, and that's the excuse. <laughs> and no one really questions it for decades until some poor protagonist questions it and mm-hmm. you know, pays the gets iron killed, price. Yeah. And I think that's really scary. I mean, it's kind of like, it's a religious cultish fear that somebody would look at you with um, the fervor of faith in behind their eyes and sacrifice you or sacrifice something or do something that would otherwise be uh, like deemed socially uncool. Mm. But they're like, no, no, not on this day. (laughs) And uh, that's really scary because you can't be like, yo, man, don't fucking drain my blood <laughs> there's no logic yeah, there their answer is my god says i have yeah, to if they can so, even answer you they're so uh, caught up in the the fervor of of a shoe full of thumbtacks what about yeah. funny horror funny horror well i mean i don't know there's nothing better than laughing right the why do you enjoy laughing why, <laughs> so how is the podcast these guys ask the best questions i mean the dumbest questions <laughs> Uh, they're really smart or they're really dumb. I couldn't tell. <laughs> um, no, that's actually, that's my Zen, Zen diagram, my Venn diagram, mm, yeah. dumb and smart. No. Uh, so making paranormal three, we, we got the job because, uh, well, Paramount, the head of Paramount thought catfish was fake. Um, by the way, I, you know what? A lot of people consider catfish a horror movie or a, th- a thriller, at least a horror movie on, up until a point where it suddenly becomes a drama. Anyway, Catfish had some really tense moments, some good scares where it could have been a monster behind that door. Um, And Paramount thought it was fake. Uh, And so they were in the midst of making Paranormal 2, which is a found footage home video bar franchise. Uh, And they brought us in, or Jason Blum had shown Catfish. He had a screener of it. He showed it to the crew of Paranormal 2 as an example of what home video looks and feels like but really they were prefacing it as what fake home video looks and feels like Mm. uh, although it was totally real so after paranormal 2 comes out and is pretty successful and like keeps the franchise afloat 
we get called in to pitch on Paranormal 3. Uh, having no studio movie experience, having just made this one sort of accidental feature that's a documentary. And uh, we are faced with a table of executives, including the head of Paramount, all the producers, and Akiva Goldman, uh, big, powerful movie guy. And it's like a huge glass table on the Paramount lot. We're, we're just kids. And they're like, if you tell us it's fake, you've got the job. And we're kicking each other under the table. Like, do we go against our instincts here? Is it like amoral to lie? Because it's just not. And I think we some, somehow the clever answer was, um, believe what you want to believe, Adam. Mm-hmm. And he sort of nods his head. He's like, okay, it's sort of a non-answer. Uh, thanks for all your ideas. We didn't even know how pitches go. We thought you just list like all the best ideas you can get and just spit them out, which mm. we did. No, nothing like nothing presented. We didn't have a slideshow. We didn't even have like a story to pitch. We just had mm. scares and we were essentially just giving them to them for free. We leave. We find out from our agent the next day we didn't get the job. Cause we didn't lie. We should have just lied. Yeah. I mean, you, you kind of uh, left the interpretation open. So it wasn't, it wasn't a truth. No, it wasn't truth. But I, I guess, well, it wasn't enough. We yeah. didn't get the job. Another horror guy did the guy who made a, uh, I don't know if I'm supposed to say this. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, as as above, as below, as far far above. Uh, what was that called? As above, so below. As above, so below, which was cool. Mm-hmm. He got the job, and we were like, "Oh yeah, of course." Like he's a real movie maker. <laughs> and we just were just like, I guess that's how Hollywood goes. Maybe we'll never get another job again. We should start making another documentary. I don't know. We have no idea how it works. Two weeks later, something happens with him. He's off the movie. We're on. Do you want it? If you do, you've got to be in L.A. tomorrow. Drop everything you're doing. You'll be here for six months until the movie comes out on Halloween. That Those movies came out every uh, Halloween, which is great. Life, right? uh, I had just rented an apartment, just signed a lease. I immediately, when we said yes, immediately told my landlord, like, thank you so much. <laughs> but no. I won't be here for six. Yeah. No, I, I had to keep it. I had my yeah, deposit. Yeah. I had like an apartment full of stuff. It was already moved in. Yeah, it was a joke. It's New York. They're not going to give a shit. <laughs> yeah, they don't give a Signed, shit. Signed, pay up. Uh, anyway, disappeared for six months. The movie goes from no story, nothing, to 2,500 screen release in six months, which was in like an insane crash course in movie making and studio movie making and horror filmmaking. Really exciting. And we did it twice. Um, yeah. Why was I telling the story? Oh, because. Funny horror. Funny horror. So we're like, oh shit, man, we should probably watch as much horror as we can and figure out where we think this franchise should go. Mm-hmm. They're not counting on it getting better or, or getting bigger, right? You're kind of just like law of attrition, rules of attrition or whatever it's called. Diminishing returns. Yeah, diminishing returns, right. It'll make money because so, they were so cheap to make. <laughs> so we're like, well, let's make a really funny one. The second one wasn't funny. Maybe... That'll like reinvigorate the franchise. Uh, plus, I guess it's just uh, what we wanted to do. So the concept ends, ends up being back in time, 1980s. And it's about a wedding videographer, which, which we were. That's how we started, kind of started in the biz. We know that. And he's this like desperate hustler who will take any job he can get. He films his kids, but mainly he's editing crappy wedding videos um, with his like dorky assistant. 
and there's a haunting in their house because their six-year-old, his stepdaughter can sort of communicate with this demon who is the paranormal demon um, named Toby. And we start sort of figuring out like the beats, the technique of a scare. What is a scare? How long should it last? How do you draw it out? How do you set it up and how do you pay it off? Right. Mm -hmm. And and we'd had, we'd like accidentally done it a couple times in catfish, but now we needed to sort of like, I I guess skills. Yeah. Quantify it. So you could do it on purpose. And as we're like testing the scares and doing a couple test screenings, we kind of realized like the, the satisfaction for the audience between a joke and a scream is really, really similar. Mm. It requires like some of the same pacing. Mm-hmm. It's really up to the filmmaker. What's the payoff at the end? Is it a laugh or a scream? And if you can have both at the same time, like then you're really winning. Right. And we cast for comedy. We cast a bunch of improv comedians and the movie just sort of naturally ends up being pretty funny. I mean, that's up for, that's up to the audience to decide, but I think we uncover what we enjoyed out of horror, which was like, how do you walk, how do you straddle the line between comedy and horror at the same time? And you've, I mean, you guys have seen it in, in hundreds of great horror movies, mm. but not the darkest ones. And so it, I think it's the lighter, lighthearted ones that I prefer. Okay. Any idea why that is? Uh, because maybe there's extra tension, not knowing if you're going to laugh or scream. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Plus, you're just more fun. Yeah, it's just more you get the breaks in between. And because I know that the yeah. s- the scare is not real. Yeah, it definitely has more of a, a separation from reality when it's a horror comedy. Yeah, but comedy is always real. You know, no such thing as a fake laugh if it's true. you. True. true. Looking back through, uh, you know, the common themes that we were talking about earlier, a lot of stuff with vehicles, body horror. Um, some of the psychological horror, or at least in delving into the psychological response to certain horrors, personal fears about, you know, powerlessness against certain situations, maybe. Um, and then, you know, the physical, physical trauma, but I don't really, I'm not picking up on any common themes in terms of their fears of events but not there's it doesn't really seem like there's anything emotional no i guess which is not a, not a good thing or a bad thing it's just an observation what would something emotional be what's an example of a guest who's had the last guest we had was pollyanna mcintosh who uh i think had some i i personally feel like there are things that draw us towards things and also things that push us away from different things and both can be happening at the same time. So she had experiences that drew her towards things that made her empowered as a woman uh, and also pushed, was pushed away from things that made her feel not non-empowered. So a lot of the themes that kept coming up on the call were things that aligned with that. And what I'm saying is with the themes that are coming up for you, at least I don't sense that kind of an emotional connection to them other than just being afraid of the event. If that makes sense. Yeah. The concept I'm, I I have no, I'm dead inside. So (laughs) (laughs) it's really just like, Oh, that's a fucking awesome concept. Uh, I was going to make the joke of, well, you did say you're Jewish, but there's the humor there of the neuroticism potentially with neuroticism it's 
possible that there isn't a lot of uh, emotional reaction to it. Like I say, it's just the fear of the event. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, like it follows is a great horror movie. And what am I scared of? And I'm scared of the, well, I think the concept is so simple and brilliant. And I'm scared that I'm scared of the metaphor. Mm-hmm. When it, I think when, when a movie's that good and simple and you can apply it to your own potential downfall, that's perfect. But there's nothing yeah. emotional. It's right. It's not, per, it's like not it. personal. Yeah. Just, just that you don't, don't want like it to happen to you. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, the more that we're talking about this, I, I am thinking that what we're saying kind of really does line up pretty well with body horror as a theme, because mm-hmm. that's something that's been coming up a lot. And the response to body horror doesn't need to have an, an emotional connection to it to be afraid of having your arm cut off or your eye poked out or something like that. It's just a, like we were saying earlier, a visceral response. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like I say, it's not, that's not judgment call. It's just an observation. Not everybody has to have a deep emotional, you know, drive to things. I, you know, I, I am what I am, man. <laughs> Are you Popeye? <laughs> I am Popeye. well i guess so there are a few other questions we can ask which the next one would be why horror in terms of seeking body horror i mean obviously horror is the genre that covers that the most but i'm also thinking like for example war movies might you know touch on something maybe well i think all i mean there's there's body horror in every every movie we've made it which is they're been action movies essentially action thrillers since the paranormals uh and there's always i mean people get hurt Mm. and when people get hurt i we you think of it the same way i think cronenberg would think about uh an injury or a body horror scare you're going to need to show that injury whether it's on camera or off camera and that's going to require a prosthetic and uh, and fake blood and fake bones and great sound design uh and so next thing you know you're basically designing a horror scene and I, th- I love when that pops up in a non-horror movie, horror elements. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think what I'm thinking of is that horror is maybe the only one where that becomes the focus of the film, though. Like, for example, you're talking about you know thrillers and, and stuff like that. If Jason Bourne breaks somebody's arm in half, that's not the focus of the film. You know what I'm saying? Uh, n- no. I do know. Yes. Yes, I do know what you're saying. <laughs> no, it's not the focus of the film. But yeah, yeah. And is it the focus of a horror film? I guess it depends. If someone's head is exploding, yes, it's the focus of scanners. Mm-hmm. But you better have like another dramatic subplot going on. Otherwise, it's not going to be a great horror film. It's just disconnected scenes. Yeah. Right. Wait, so just to brainstorm for a second, you were saying if time is running out for this person and it's running out faster than it should be and they have to get something done, what, ki- what came to mind as the thing they need to do? I mean, at that point, it's just a MacGuffin. Yeah. What do you got? Give me one. (laughs) Save the world. (laughs) For you personally, I would probably have redirected you back to your dreams of, you know, where you've got the heavy legs and thinking, you know, what, what, what were you trying to accomplish in those dreams? (sighs) If if you even remember. If I I remember, I don't know. Maybe I'll find out tonight. Hmm. Maybe. Yeah, I wonder if people, what kind of dreams they have after doing your show. <laughs> hmm, that's a good question. We should follow up with some of them. Yeah. yeah, follow up. 
send a questionnaire. <laughs> yeah, right. How you doing? Just fo- just well, your show really fucked me up, and uh, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm seeking therapy. Not sleeping. <laughs> uh, has there been anything that has crossed your mind during this call that hasn't come up? Maybe we started to ask something, and then conversation took a left turn. No, I thought you'd want to know like what recent horror, horror movies I liked, but we kind of got into that. Yeah, I mean, we we had like three or four of them. I try to, my personal take on things is usually the first three or four that come to mind, come to mind for a reason. Mm-hmm. And so without going through a list of, you know, 20, because we have limited time frame, I, I like to just pick the top ones that come to mind first. Like I say, they, they usually come up for a reason. Yes, Although I am scrolling back through my notes the sewn vagina thing (laughs) (laughs) i mean yeah body that's that's body horror yeah Um, yeah yeah there was a there's like a famous wu-tang clan lyric method man lyric where he says something about sewing your asshole shut and feed you and And keep keep feeding yeah (laughs) that's kind of one of the best horror stories i've ever heard yeah right yeah that i remember when that came out and everybody's just like oh that's so so bad well i think we've got more than enough to uh to make an episode out of okay good (laughs) thanks for Um, thanks for digging in our pleasure thanks for joining us yeah i will get with you offline to uh get together a bio we'll put together a bio page for you on our website get some pictures that we can use in uh excerpts also if you now that you've experienced what we're all about. I did write down uh, Ray Angelica's uh, potential guest. If you can think of any others <laughs> yeah. that you should, you I think mean, you can. Let's start with Ray. If you can definitely get him. We'll yeah, we'll bounce from there. Okay. But sure, cool. happy to. This was fun and uh, and helpful. Thanks for the therapy session. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, I didn't expect to be so introspective on this Sunday morning. Mm. We we've heard that before. <laughs> I haven't even had a bowl of cereal yet. Oh, really? And now you get to go think about stuff while you're having a bowl of cereal. Uh, All right. Thank you, gentlemen. Our pleasure. And I'll hit the closing real quick here before I hit the stop. Thank you to anybody out there listening. Please do come visit us at horrormakesushappy.com. We've got a list of people there that we'd like to interview. If you can put us in touch with any of those people, let us know. If you'd like to uh, have somebody added to the list, let us know. You can support us on Patreon or buy us coffee. By the way, thank you to Legion Podcasts for being our supporter on Patreon. We are in growth mode, so if you can't afford to support financially, then please do at least share us with somebody that you know. Thank you. 